Hello, and welcome back to Equity, a podcast about the business of startups, where we unpack the numbers and nuance behind the headlines. I'm Natasha Mascarenas, and this is our Wednesday show where we niche down to a single topic, think about a question, and unpack the rest. There's been a ton of layoffs across tech right now, and we've been covering them all on TechCrunch.com. But we wanted to take this week's Wednesday episode to talk about the employee impact. Because as my coworker said, layoffs don't happen to companies, they happen to people at companies. So this week, we're asking, what does the most recent wave of layoffs mean for tech workers? As always, I am joined by the wonderful Alex Wilhelm, who has covered a few layoff cycles here and there. Covered a few layoff cycles, been part of one or two, you know. I feel like this is just part of the ebb and flow of technology. Natasha, every time we have a multi-year period of euphoria and ebullience? Yeah, sure. Yeah, ebullience. You end up with the hangover. And we're going to focus on the people today, but we will make fun of the companies and we will empathize with the folks. It's like our sweet spot of episodes. And it's weird. I agree. I think in a way, this was like the thing we knew was going to happen the moment startups started to boom and really react positively to pandemic habits. We knew that layoffs were going to be inevitable because companies were acting without discipline. But I guess because of that numbness, I was surprised when I last week felt such a heaviness reporting on, I think, what, like a dozen layoffs in a seven day period. Yeah. The point in which we begin to consolidate our layoffs coverage to avoid flooding the site with the same headline is the moment in which you know that the temperature really has changed. And we've gotten to that point. You did a layoff roundup last week, if I recall correctly. (laughs) Yeah. Amanda and I jumped into covering just all these in one go just to kind of make people, one, not feel (laughs) like it's just them noticing a bunch of these happening at the same time. And and two, just we wanted to see what we could tell. So I guess I can run through some of them. So we saw in recent weeks, not just last week, in recent weeks, we've seen better com have layoffs, Robinhood, Cameo, Hopin, WorkRise, OnDeck, Thrasio, Main Street, To Doom, and there's more coming based on my to-do list later today. So, I mean, fast as well. Yeah, fast as well. And sorry, just to reintroduce really quickly, me and Amanda Silberling worked on that piece, rounded things up. And at this point, it's just a piece that will exist so we can look back on. But I know we're going to have additions this week. (laughs) Yeah, not to make better.com the example that we hold up in these conversations, but the company went through multiple rounds of layoffs. Yeah. And that might be something that we see from these larger startups that have larger staffs that are dealing with changing market conditions. And that means that lots of folks are going to be impacted and hit the hardest by this change, I think, because executive tend to be insulated to some degree. Investors have multiple bets, but it's the workers who have mortgages and rents and small children. And they're the people that I worry about the most. I don't worry about the already wealthy because they're fine. It's the wild irony. It's like these same people that make your product meet demand are the same ones that are first to go when demand changes. And that to me is so hard to get my mind around. (laughs) It's one step away from Marxism there. Perhaps these workers (laughs) should seize the means of production, perhaps, or in this case, the servers of production. I I mean, I think, you know, to your point about like not feeling too worried about founders, I remember when I was writing, I forget which layoff story, unfortunately, but I was talking to an employee and they were basically like executives were also impacted as part of the cuts. And I was actually kind of happy to hear that if I can say that because it meant that the layoffs weren't just isolated to people who have less power or equity in a company. The first trigger for talking about this from the employee lens is like when there's layoffs, who's actually the ones that are getting cut? Is it the ones in marketing and sales roles, which have, you know, disproportionately minorities? Is it the executives who are usually white and male? I mean, I think those 
nuances matter so much. Absolutely. And I just want to back up because I feel like what I said was slightly a little bit too harsh. Founders are people and therefore they matter. But in the last venture capital cycle, there has been a theme or a trend of founders getting secondary, which is to say taking money out of the company during proximate funding rounds. So when I think about founders of companies that scaled up to a large staff size to the point in which we hear about their layoffs because there's enough people cut, they yeah. probably took a couple of million off the table and they're probably doing okay. So I empathize with their emotional strain, but I'm much more worried about the folks who didn't have a seven-figure or high six-figure option to uh, cash out early and are still sitting through investing periods unlike CEOs and so forth. So that's what I was trying to say. I'll just add on to that. I remember I was writing the headline for our layoffs roundup and Devin Coldway on our team added this nuance where he was like, make sure you identify the fact that layoffs don't happen to companies. They happen to people at companies. So it's not that on deck was hit with layoffs. It was on deck's staff Staff. and teams that were hit with layoffs. And that really like locked it in as what we're talking about today, which is getting into the heart of who is impacted. And I thought maybe the best place to start would be comparing this wave of layoffs to March 2020, which is when we first saw tech companies at that point react negatively to COVID-19 and what it meant for the way people live and act and buy. So I'll take a first swing at this. I'm just going to go ahead and stick my neck out to Natasha. Ready the axe in case I get this wrong. But (laughs) here's my... in the pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Who has a pocket axe? It's not a... There's a pocket knife. (laughs) I'm going to take 677,000 chops to get your head off. No, here's my viewpoint on this. 2020, COVID comes to the world and overnight shakes up the global economy, the flow of work and education, the flow of travel, and really, I think, changes the entire climate overnight. And so a lot of startups got hit really hard by this because they were in an impacted category. We talked about Toast, Trip Actions. We talked about a lot of these companies, Airbnb, that really had to struggle and pivot and work their way through a dramatic overnight cold snap in their demand. Yeah. Then, as you and I both know, late 2020, venture capital you know, spirals up, and then 2021, we have this record-breaking year and everyone's a genius. Everyone's going to be a billionaire. And so I had a lot of, I mean, maybe maybe it's sympathy with startups that struggled in March 2020 because it didn't seem like they had done anything wrong or hubristic to the point to yes. which they'd engendered their fall. Whereas in this case, it feels a little bit like they got high on their own supply and are now cutting the most vulnerable to pay for it. Oh my God. Well said. It's like you couldn't have prepared for a pandemic, but you could have prepared for a pullback in the heart of the pandemic. (laughs) Well, we just titled this episode. That's where we get the titles, by the way. We just think about funny shit we said. And Natasha just nailed that. (laughs) It's like exactly why, yeah, the empathy is hard to have right now. If we look specifically on funding, and if you're an employee watching your startup go from raising their Series A to Series D in less than one year and telling TechCrunch that you have a lot of cash in the bank and it's all for offense, and then wake up to 30% of your staff being cut, the common refrain we're hearing, I guess, is whiplash. And I I guess I don't quite know how we got from having all that extra capital to people being the first one to go. I know, but I don't. I don't really. Let me throw some thoughts out, and then you can tell me what makes sense and what might be reasonable. But here's stuff that people say or that... I think might matter. So like headcount at a startup is probably the single biggest expense. I mean, aside from office space, if it's 2018 or AWS throughout the last 10 years, really it's folks, folks engender taxes and healthcare and support staff and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And so if you're a company and you suddenly realize that the tide has shifted and you need to get to shore quickly, I might be butchering this metaphor, but like, what do you do? You cut weight. 
And what is the most expensive thing you can cut the most quick? Well, it's people. The downside is one, people are impacted. People that have jobs, mortgages that could be in addiction care and they lose their health insurance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But also like people can be shocked by this because they didn't realize what was going on. And startup founders are at once to blame and not because their investors tell them, go faster. Let's go. Let's try to get this thing public. And so you end up with this reverberating chamber of ideas in which people kind of talk to one another, both from this founder and venture capital side and underneath them holding up the world is this the staff. Yeah. It's such a weird, the startup I'm thinking about when you're talking about this was Cameo. They're the startup that helps fans buy personalized videos from celebrities. Earlier this month, they laid off about a quarter of their overall workforce, which was about 87 people. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, they hit unicorn status actually almost exactly a year ago and then had these layoffs later. And then a story came out by Protocol. So Protocol published a story kind of a few days after the layoffs saying that they're throwing an NFT party days after mass layoffs. And I think that's when things start to get very black and white about a company that is, you know, having a very hard day in its history and then is also kind of spending money pretty frivolously. Yeah. So a couple of things. One, shout out Owen Thomas and Max Cherney over at Protocol. Love them both. Two of my favorite people on the planet. Just geniuses. And two, do nothing with NFTs if you're laying off staff. Just don't. Like, for example, there was this entire brouhaha on Twitter about this guy. Maybe it was the Cameo CEO. It was. It yeah, was. it was. Yes, it was Let's the Cameo CEO. Let's take a minute to Let's explain this to people. Okay. <laughs> Natasha, I'm going to ask you some questions in, in order, okay? What is the Cameo Famio? Oh, my God. Cameo Famio is how Stephen Galanis, who is the CEO of Cameo, kind of framed the people who were laid off. I guess it's what they internally call tech crunchers. They call them the Cameo Famio. And his tweet got a lot of pushback for being insensitive in more than one way. And there was, it seemed to be one key driving force behind this. And it had to do with a graphical representation of a certain mammal. Oh my God. <laughs> I actually think we should just remind them that is what it is at the end of the day. Like that is all it is. But Stephen had a bored ape yacht club. Twitter, Avi. Avi? Picture. Yeah. I think it's Avi. Avi, okay. Hmm. I haven't said that word out loud in like years. Ah. <laughs> Anyways, and, and people were, were mad about this because if you didn't know, at least until before this week's crypto sell-off, board apes were worth about a quarter million dollars. And so it seems a little bit gauche to have a quarter million dollar NFT that is non-fungible, but at that time, highly liquid that you could have sold and then paid for your staff. So it's kind of like if you're going to a drive to the work site to lay off your workers, arriving in a Rolls Royce makes you look kind of like a jerk. And a Rolls Royce 100%. costs about a quarter million dollars and a board apes worth about one Rolls, give or take, unless inflation's changed that for me. If those numbers are off, it's because I don't own a Rolls. We own a Volvo. <laughs> and so I think that's when this goes from being something that we talk about in kind of hushed, serious tones to anger. To anger, exactly. And I kind of don't want to give too much of a, a thumbs up to Fast, which was the one click checkout startup that shut down recently. Yes. But when they shut down, they had this deal with a firm in which a majority of their engineers would be hired by the buy now, pay later startup. I kind of liked that if I can compliment what it's like to lay off a startup as like a way to handle some of that pushback of, hey, we spent way too much money. Here's something for some of our engineers. It's not everyone. Natasha, earlier in this conversation, you made a note that uh, sales and marketing staff tend to be women, people of color. Engineering staffs are famously not. Going to be fine anyways. Those two things. And they're going to be fine anyways. And all they really did was essentially transfer some staff to a firm which got whacked in the markets on Thursday. I'll but take I mean, that. I think that's a fair pushback. Yeah. yeah. Like what I want is someone to say, you know what we're going to do is we're going to find everyone a job and we're going to take care of everyone, not just the most easily transferable people to our friend's company, essentially. And so that pissed me off a little bit. I see where your head's at and I respect your empathetic position, but my cynical DNA 
screams. No, I'll take it. I think that cynical is necessary here because lack of cynicism is what got startups to this point. <laughs> and <laughs> I also, I guess like staying on this idea of solutions or ways that we're seeing people either be saved or hurt by this. We know that spreadsheets are a really common way that we'll see employee names be gathered so potential recruiters can jump in. But one topic that we've talked about on the pod a little bit is like early stages fragmenting. VCs are so interested in backing star talent at these companies that some of them are offering money to leave at some place. I feel like a VC has such a cool opportunity right now to set up a program for people laid off. Kind of similar to what we saw in the beginning of the pandemic where there was like a lot of these initiatives to get people into entrepreneurship. I know that's not applicable to everyone. Not everyone wants to start a company, but there's kind of a cool opportunity for talent leaving to be, I don't know, targeted by all these VC dollars that need somewhere to go, especially emerging fund managers. So can we take a small caveat about that? Because I think there's an important point to be made here. I've seen some people talking about layoffs and being like, you know, why is this happening? There's so much capital in the market. These VCs have a lot of money to throw around. Everyone's heard about these billion dollar funds. Why is this happening when there's so much money? So one mistake that people often make is that VCs announce a dollar amount. They say, we've raised a $2 billion fund. And then they think that VCs have $2 billion in the bank collecting interest. That's not the case. What they do is they get LPs to commit a certain amount of money to the fund. And then they make what are called capital calls, which is when they call yes. up their sources of capital and say, hey, we're making an investment. You're going to wire us X dollars because that's your allocation in this deal. And this is your commitment to the fund. Now, this works out when LPs have lots of money and everyone's very bullish. It's not hard to make capital calls because everyone's got liquidity, you know, stock markets up and everyone's willing to put more money to work because people are psyched. Then things change, Natasha, and then the public markets go down. Then suddenly LPs are less liquid, and they don't really want you to call that capital because they don't want to sell stocks at a loss to cover the capital call. So yeah, there is a lot of funds committed to VCs, but that does not mean that those funds are all entirely there. So just as we discussed paper unicorns, there might also be some paper funds. And when it comes to paper tigers, Tiger Global's returns, in fact, were all paper, and now they've gone away. <laughs> I actually like, I think that nuance is definitely missed, including when I think about these really well-funded... I think well-funded startups are one thing. They obviously have money in the bank, but the venture capitalists themselves, I guess, don't have as much power as I thought they did. Venture capitalists are wealthy and powerful, and we should not forget that. But they are not almighty, nor are they all that rich. Not all of them are. Some like In the old days, VCs would fly you know, on their own jet. How many VCs, Natasha, do we know who are under the age of 40 who own a plane? That's actually not a single engine Cessna 172. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a little yeah. bit different now, and it seems to be a changed game. And I think VCs don't have the same economics. I think as funds have gotten larger and so forth, there's, there's shifts. And some VCs are rich, but it seems to be the minority of the group. Yeah. The other trend that I've been thinking about is like, what happens when we take this reset in the market, reset in a lot of employees' lives, and bring the great resignation into it? Do people all get hired within the week? I saw so many layoff tweets go viral from people that we follow and care about, of people just wanting to hire them and start their own fund. But I'm wondering if that's more show or if we're actually going to see this, in some ways, a good timing to get laid off argument pop up. I don't think it is. Or at least it's definitely much worse than it was last year. I'm going to use a phrase that I actually don't have any problem with, but is often used as a pejorative virtue signaling. I think a lot of people want to appear to be on the right side of taking care of people. And so they try to make extra noise about layoffs, spreading spreadsheets of staff and so forth. It's all kind of net positive, if a little bit ineffectual, I think a lot of the time. What matters is the, the job market and the current demand for that person's talent. And so a lot of these folks that are getting laid off will be fine. There are people hiring data scientists. There will be until the end of time, until the heat death of the f***ing universe. But for a lot of like sales and marketing folks, I don't know how good the job market is out there among startups right now. There does seem to be a change in the weather and it is colder and we are not heading towards summer. 
If startups are pulling back on spend to try to restrain growth to conserve runway and capital, you're going to hire fewer AEs and fewer SDRs and fewer SEs and so forth. So that's kind of yeah. where my head's at. You're going to focus on maintaining your employees. We're already seeing hiring freezes start to happen. And that is just to close up the capital conversation earlier. A lot of the argument has been like startups luckily have a lot more capital in the bank after a hot 2021 so they can weather out the storm. That money is no longer going to be used to hire new talent. It's going to be used to conserve. So I think that that changing in taste buds for people may not be the best. Yeah. Yeah. Best news. And that flip is how you end up with whiplash. Because if you're thinking that your next round is going to come, in six months, you're going to add another hundred million to the cap table at a 1.5 to 2x valuation mark. At a minimum, you spend because you're busy. And then suddenly you realize that check either may not be there or maybe they're at one third the size and a flat to down valuation. Suddenly every dollar in your bank is gold because it's all you got left. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Just, just every so staff gets cut, gold. even though six months ago you were throwing an NFT party Miami yacht crypto thing or whatever. Yeah. I think Hunter Walk put this really well on Twitter where he was saying that startup layoffs are not something to be ashamed of. If this is something that's happened to you, you don't necessarily need to hide it. And that's me paraphrasing and adding on to it. Yeah. And I felt like that was important to say in this episode because I think layoffs maybe in a moment other than this could be for a variety of reasons that could make you question yourself and your own abilities. But right now, I think the only people that should really be questioning themselves and their focus is the founders who let it get to this point. I don't Fa- think it's mm-hmm. the employees. Their founders, their executive team, their board of directors, and their general investing bodies. That's the investors people who 100%. should be on the hawker. I just want to throw in a note for Hunter. Consistently, throughout the years, one of the kindest people that I know. It's kind of shocking because to me, what Hunter does show is that it is possible to be a successful VC because now homebrew is evergreen. Yeah, he's good people. Yeah, it, it's possible to be kind. And a good investor. There you go. Data point. Yeah. Hunter's great. This whole conversation makes me really struggle because of the amount of money we're seeing some people make versus other people get laid off. I guess, Natasha, my question kind of is, what do you see happening in the next couple of months? Because this is where I'm confused. Because the economy was really hot. There was a labor shortage. Everyone was just powering through. Can't get enough chips. And then suddenly we had this weird Q1 GDP print showing negative growth in the United States, which I don't really think happened, but we'll have to see when the data gets revised over time. And now unemployment is low, but job growth isn't kind of where it was. Inflation's China's a mess. And I just actually don't know where we are on the map right now, economically. (laughs) So fair. So fair. I think March 2020, like there was such an obvious signal to point every single thing to. And right now, all the statements we're hearing from founders who have had to announce layoffs have just cited uncertainty in the market. It's felt a lot vaguer because we don't know when this is ending. But I think the what's going to happen next when we talk about people and where they're going to go, I see a few things. One is I think a lot of people are going to end up joining big tech, joining the not scrappy startups and trying to join companies that are a little bit more boring to be a part of because your job is more stable as a result. Yeah. It kind of sucks to see because I think the pandemic rightfully brought so many people into the promise of tech, but also tempted them. And I think that this is adding that realistic focus. So even if you weren't laid off in the past few weeks, I think you're <laughs> reconsidering a little bit about where you're at right now. Man, you know the market has changed when you're saying, even if you weren't laid off in the last few weeks, like that's a hell, <laughs> that's a hell of a statement. I'm, <laughs> I'm in awe of that. Yeah, no, I think that's all correct. I think that the big tech safety move is going to be a crowded trade, as we say. I think a lot of folks are going to have the same idea. I would quibble a little bit with what you said about tech in general. I think we're really talking about this particular startup market because Microsoft is growing nicely. Google is growing nicely. Even Meta had a good quarter last quarter after the previous catastrophe. But they're hiring freeze. Yeah. 
But I mean, eh. yeah, yeah. It, it, it's temporary. Sure. So I'm saying that like the ability for you to go work at those companies will be what it is and they are healthy, but I don't think it's going to be a panacea to the startup issues. And we are talking about issues that are more constrained to the upstart technology world. Yeah. So tech seems to be a little broad, but I know where you're going with that. I think people though are so much more resilient than maybe I'm giving them credit for. I don't think everyone's going to join like a safe company next. I know someone who's literally been through a CEO meltdown, a layoff, a pivot. I mean, every single idea of what it's like to experience startups. And a lot of them, they didn't sign up to be laid off due to poor management, but they have something within them that knew that they're joining a company that could fail one day. And I think that if you're listening to this and you've been laid off or you're thinking about this, like you should be proud that you made that jump in the first place. Yeah. Like, you could have joined the easy company or the boring company, but you didn't. Yeah. And that's something to be proud of. What did Matt Damon say? Fortune favors the bold? Yeah. That that's, I love. <laughs> oh no, Natasha, that, that's a crypto.com ad. Oh no. You heard no. it here first, crypto.com team. Natasha likes your branding. Oh God, no, I don't like it anymore. <laughs> and then Bitcoin <laughs> fell by half. <laughs> Brutal times. I'm trying to avoid that German word that denotes joy from anyone else's pain, even when people that I think we're being silly before are in trouble just because of the human aspect of it. So I'm glad we're talking about this. Yeah. I'm just a little bit worried that we're going to have to keep this conversation coming a little bit here and there. Cause it's going to, I think be a recurring, I don't want to say theme or trend, but at least, at least news item, you know? Definitely. I think like the challenge for stories going forward is one, like trying to make employees feel heard in this moment and try and get more understanding on like kind of what led up to this. I don't think the memos we're seeing from founders come even close. I've already talked to former on-deck employees and, and they were just <sighs> saying like, yeah. you know, the reasoning, which is the market's changing and the accelerator isn't working necessarily the way we wanted to. Of course, I'm paraphrasing. We're not buying it yet. And so I think the we're not buying the reason is literally the follow-up story I'm committing to for the next few weeks, if not months, because there has to be other things that tipped over. It has to be pulled support, changes, a mistake. I would love to see a founder admit a mistake. Not 10 years after they left the company, (laughs) but (laughs) the month or the the day it happens. There's been a a story that I've been told. So this is not something that I verified, but it's more maybe a theme or a point of conversation. But like people like to know that you can fire people if you're a CEO, because that's part of the job. Because not everyone works out, you hire the wrong person, some people just lose their minds. And I mean fire, not layoff. But I think in this case, a VC might want a CEO to be willing to and emotionally capable of laying off a chunk of staff before they put more money in to show that they have the sufficient metal as to disperse or try to Mm. let go of some human capital. Yeah. I wonder if that's part of what we're seeing today. That's a theory. Like proactive, you're saying in a way? Yeah, Look, you know, Oof, you, yeah. you want to do this round? Well, we think you're bloated, so we, you should cut 20% of your staff and then we'll think about putting more capital in for the long term. I don't disagree with that. I think it was kind of the similar vibe of like people citing pandemic as the reason they're having layoffs in March 2020, but that hadn't even shown up yet for them. Yeah. It was like, oh, why don't we just jump into it while everyone else is and trim things, which we've been talking about this, like startups need to become leaner, they need to become more profitable. Doing it in such a quick way is one way to do that, which is like the unfortunate, I don't know. I, I cost think, there or to build a better business. Yeah. So yeah. easy. I, I think leaner and, and more profitable is a really polite way of saying less bloated and less egregiously unprofitable. But yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's fair. I want to end with mission Yeah. because so many people who join startups are not joining because why not? They're joining because they believe in what that founder has told them, what they've talked about in their interview process. And in some cases, like a lot of these companies are in the fintech world and trying to broaden access, such as Main Street, for example. So I think there's something specifically hard and worth reflecting on about a moment of people who joined for mission but are leaving due to money challenges, for lack of better phrasing, happening at the same time. It's just kind of a tough reality. I wonder about that. 
this is just me being cynical, but I wonder how much the mission really matters to people because I've never heard someone say, well, I, I had two offers and I chose the one with a better mission. What they say is, well, my base is X, my on-target comp is Y, and I believe the company's either stock price or, you know, next round will be X or Y or Z. That's what I hear. That's what people say. I wonder yeah. if this mission shit is just something we told ourselves to feel better about being in a for-profit industry when we all have bleeding hearts. I think it's a mix of what we're both saying. I think that there are definitely people who joined for the money, but at the same time, everyone could join Meta and make double what they make, and there's a reason why no, they haven't. Not everyone can join Meta. They're, I've had friends go through the recruiting process at Meta three or four times and not make it in. People that are much smarter than I am. Yeah. Meta's hiring process is weird. But yeah, Facebook, <laughs> Facebook, you didn't go for the mission. You went for the money. And that's, yeah. no one was right, connecting the right. world. They were making <laughs> ad tech to let people sell more deodorant to 14 year olds. Like that's like, that was the goal. Well done. It's a weird, it's weird. I agree. I don't think everyone's joining because they're like, I'm going to stay up for 24 hours and work on this company because I believe so strongly in personalized videos. But when you're joining an early stage startup, you do assume some risk. So maybe I'm thinking that of this more from the ed tech and fintech lens yeah. of it being specifically sad, but not for every mission is it going to feel this hard. Roe, for example, I think a lot of people left that company after feeling like they were baited by the mission. There's definitely good offers that play a massive role in it, but I think mission's always a factor if you are in a high in-demand role, at least. Okay. All things equal, sure. I just, I want to be a bit like how everyone in Web3 says it's all about community and it seems to be this like thing that people say. I feel like mission has been kind of, it has a similar vibe to it. I've taken part in these exercises. I've helped come up with a mission statement before, and, <laughs> et cetera. And I, Missions exist for a very, yeah, like weirdly capitalist reason. I completely yeah, agree it's, with it's you. It's recruiting and retention. People talk about yeah. like telling the story, which is just essentially believing the spin and pushing the corporate narrative. I'm a little cynical about this because every company just looks after its financial interests and doesn't care about humans because that's how they're run. And hey, listen, if that's the takeaway for a lot of employees, I think that's a healthy takeaway to have. I think it's very healthy to realize that your work is not your family and that your startup is not driven entirely by its mission. It's driven by its investors and, and cap table and balance sheet. And so I think that's maybe the place that we can leave off on. It's a lot more realistic in startup land. And it's unfortunate that it's at the cost of employees who don't have, you know, limitless offers on where to go next, but yeah. shouldn't be ashamed of it. Just keep in mind that the big Silicon Valley charity push, which was an improvement, was the one, one, one play which is 1% of stock, 1% of profit, 1% of time. Woo, good job. So tough. So yeah. tough. You know what Jesus wants? 10%. <laughs> That's a commitment. There we go. Show me 10%. There we go. This episode kind of sadly feels like a follow-up to our episode that we were redefining failure and talking about yeah. how things look beyond those really massive layoffs. But I feel good that we focus on the person. And I don't know. I, I don't necessarily know if I'm leaving with hope on the horizon as much as a better way to evaluate where we're at right now. Yeah. I'll just say this. Business is business. It's all about money, especially in this upcoming period of turbulence. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise because they're trying to underpay you. And I'll just add that if you are experiencing a layoff, have recently been laid off, give yourself a hug. And it's you are resilient because you joined an early stage startup during a very unprecedented time and things yes. are still unprecedented. So take a minute and feel free to stop listening right now and just <laughs> go eat some yummy food and go for a walk. <laughs> Appreciate it. And on that note, don't forget everybody, we are live tomorrow, Thursday on Hoppin' and Twitter Spaces. If you just search Equity Live TechCrunch in your Googles, it'll bring up the right page and we'll see you all there. Looking forward to it and chat soon. Yes, Alex, thank you so much for joining on. Everyone, if you have tips, send it to equitypod at techcrunch.com. Otherwise, sending hugs and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. 